0: Episode 39, Claws Encounters. santa claus santa claus (laughs) encounters of the not really fourth kind kind. Uh, i think it would probably be fourth kind fourth kind is if you're actually well i guess it doesn't have to be fourth kind but fourth kind i think is when you're typically abducted as a close encounter Uh, of the fourth kind so this would be claus encounters of, well who knows i don't know what your story is yet but uh something involving santa claus That's what we're getting at we're talking santa claus
2: Santa Claus. Do you, How old were you when you stopped believing in Santa Claus?
0: Who said I did? <laughs> I believe in magic. And I don't know. Who knows? We, that'll probably be something I'll talk a little bit about in my story because it is somewhat related. But the how about you?
2: I was old. I was probably in about third grade, which I think is... Kind of old to stop believing in Santa Claus.
0: And what age is that?
2: It's like eight. Eight or nine.
0: I don't know. I was probably after that then. I was probably ten. I don't know. Hold on to the magic, man. Yeah. But, well, who am I to say about Santa Claus existing or not? But I know there's no such thing as a sanity clause, which is a old Groucho uh, Marx, Marx Brothers quote. But news. Before we get into the topics, let's get to some news. What do you have from the worldwide weird?
2: It's big. After fifty-one years, the Zodiac. It was called three forty cipher has been broken. Uh, It had been sent to the San Francisco Chronicle in nineteen sixty-nine, and it actually took decades to break because he misspelled a lot of words. And a common way of, like, decoding is finding common words and, like, common letters. But because he had so many typos, it was hard to break it. But now it's done. Although, sadly, it didn't give us any clues to who he actually is.
0: So the—just the—it was just code breaking. They just broke the It cypress, was code but... breaking.
2: Yes. So it was uh, three guys. Uh, David Orinchek, who is from Virginia. He's a software developer. Um, Jarl van Eyck, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He's a Belgian computer programmer and Sam Blake, who is an Australian mathematician. And they created this like decryption software that could kind of scan through the letters and codes and come up with variations that they could kind of puzzle it together.
0: Interesting. So that does not lead to any clues though. It doesn't really, is there any potential that this is going to, help with the overall investigation
2: so the only clue and i can read it it's it, he wrote i hope you are having lots of fun and trying to catch me that wasn't me on the tv show which brings up a point about me i'm not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to a paradise all the sooner because i now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when i reach paradise well they are afraid of death I am not afraid because I know that my new life will be an easy one in paradise death. So the only clue is that, um, a guy went on the Jim Dunbar show claiming to be the Zodiac killer. Um, and so the Zodiac wrote that that was not him. It wasn't accurate, but
0: yeah, that's I the only thought clue someone we got. was stealing his thunder, I guess. Yeah. well, the, mine is a little, le- well, that is significant, that is big news. I mean, this is big news in a different way, but because we're talking Santa Claus today, I'm pulling from the New York Post in the headline, Santa Pause," because Aww. New York Post likes a good pun and wordplay yeah. as much as I do. But, so, this is Belfast, and apparently jolly old saint nick was not smiling because the cops in ireland stopped him for not having proper headlights on his sleigh whoops and the police and it's west belfast i guess just to be clear pulled him over in his horse-drawn sleigh not reindeers and this was just this week as we're recording this and So they knew Santa Claus was riding through town to deliver gifts to local children. That's why Santa Claus was coming to town. That's sort of his shtick, toys and children. Well, according to the man that was, I guess, one of Santa's helpers, we were told there'd been a complaint about Santa's sleigh, and the cops said we had to have a white light on the front and a red one on the back, I thought it was a bit like the Grinch, to be honest, said Santa's helper, Robert McClanahan. And so they didn't just give him a warning. They actually halted the whole procession of toys until they fixed the sleigh and fixed oh, the lights geez. on the sleigh. Yeah, it seems seems definitely pretty severe. Yeah. It reminds me of the Central Park Rangers and uh, horseback yes. rangers in Elf. Elf. But... We had spoken to the community... Oh, this is the other thing. So, the neighborhood association for whom with whom Santa was delivering presents actually said, we had spoken to the community policing team before they even set off, and they seemed fine with it. So, we were surprised by what happened. But, the good news is that no matter the delay from the police, Santa was able to make his appointed rounds, much like the post office he was back up and running very quickly, and no children missed out on seeing Santa or receiving gifts. And he is going to be returning. This is actually Tuesday night when we're recording this. He's going to be coming back and delivering more toys to West Belfast. But I'm guessing maybe some of the police that were on the, on the list might get a lump of coal, Definitely. even though I guess they were following their jobs. But man, give Santa a pass.
2: I know. For... It feels like when police officers give kids that have lemonade stands tickets because they don't have a business license.
0: Yeah, just a bit of a killjoy moment. But I think Santa will outlive them all. He's immortal and he knows what's up. So I think he's yeah, he'll get the last laugh or the last ho ho ho. But yes, Santa. So in I guess in third grade, were you in France at that point? Yes. So it was Père Noël, was that?
2: Père Noël. And then I was born in Holland, so we had Sinterklaas.
0: Oh, right, which Sinterklaas. Is
2: not really the most woke of holidays these days, but. Uh,
0: because yeah, of Black Pete?
2: Yes, the Zwarte right. Piet. It's still a common practice for Dutch people to don blackface and dress up like Zwarte Piet.
0: Yeah, so for people that don't know out there, he is a Moor. He's a Moorish, dark-skinned, so.
1: basically
0: yeah. Santa's helper. It's got a lot of slavery, lot of connotations. slavery connotations to it. Yeah. And you're right, definitely not very woke about it. And there's a whole... Yeah, there's... There, and he's from Spain, right? I, yeah, that I don't I think, know. I think he is, if, if my my folklore yeah but he's still he's still out there Zorta Pete so um yeah. but Claus himself I guess he he walks around he looks like a big pope doesn't he he's
2: yes he does he has like a pope hat he looks big, like um Moira from Schitt's Creek at the final episode
0: oh right okay that's a that was a call even though that was not long ago I totally <laughs> had erased that from my memory but yes so Claus and Moira I bet Moira would be a good Santa, like, come here, little children. I'm not going to do a Moira, but I can Bebe. imagine her doing babies, very, very affected voice. Yeah. She's calling to the little children. But, well, yeah, my Santa was very much the Coca Cola brand, American Santa, fat and jolly, standard outfit, and. I did not grow up, I, we grew up in a a one-story home, so we didn't have a chimney. So Santa just, I guess, mm. entered through the front door. So, which added to the creepiness of Santa that he had keys. He didn't just come through the chimney, <laughs> apparently he had keys.
2: He has a universal key. Get into I, definitely, home.
0: I definitely had anxiety about Santa being able to watch you at any time of the day. And at first it was like, oh man, I better be good. But then you shift into that mode of like, wait. So this guy is just like observing us at all times. This is just sort of unsettling.
2: Oh, I never thought about that. I was like a painfully good kid. I was incredibly anxious, so I never misbehaved. So I guess it never dawned on me that like he could watch me do something wrong.
0: Or but even just anything. He could be looking through your window. He knows when you're asleep. So he's watching you while you're sleeping. That's, that's definitely stalker material.
2: I almost think maybe I countered it with like, I was so afraid of the bad man. Santa Claus was like keeping an eye out for me as like a good guy against yeah. the bad
0: man. Look, I loved Santa. I'm not, I didn't have anything really negative to say about Santa, but I, I mean, I loved him. I was all in with Santa, but looking back, it certainly seems like there was a bit of a, a creepiness to being able to watch at all times. And and the beard really, I've seen some of these Santas, the beard really is important because I like the the very pure as snow white beard because you see some that have like a little bit of yellowish in it, and that takes me out of oh, the Santa game. Oh, that's creepy. Well, I mean, it could just be blondish hair. It's not necessarily just stained, oh. but but there is the sort of the... You know what I'm I'm thinking of like, you know, really jolly version of Santa with big old beard. Cause if it's a straggly beard or if it's not entirely full, or if it's got a little bit of color to it, it makes it feel less Santa y to me. But maybe right, other people have that. a maybe other people have a different version. I know that you can look there's there's some really good creep and I say good creepy vintage Santa images out there of the evolution of santa especially in america where he looks like he's going to murder you while you're sleeping not just watch you while you sleep but Uh probably murder you in your sleep yeah really creepy santas and then there was a trend of people that would wear sort of like halloween masks except santa masks when they would see children and they were those retro halloween esque masks that looked especially terrifying i don't know what
2: you mean I don't know if I've seen that.
0: Have you seen old Halloween costumes, like vintage Halloween costumes yeah. or they have, have like the know-
2: plastic cutout face mask?
0: Well, I guess depending on the era. But yeah. So if you go like really far back, like in the 60s and 50s, well, that's not really far back, but the further back you go, it seems like the creepier they get because it, it's sort of less advanced. And so some of these Halloween masks in the past look especially creepy. Like do you ever see the movie mm. Trick or Treat? No. Oh. Well, they have a vignette where they have like the kids wearing the sort of two-dimensional strap uh mm. elastic strap kind yeah, of Yeah, those are creepy. Well, so imagine that except on Santa.
2: Yeah, that's And weird. a
0: Santa face. So it looks kind of creepy. And also there's like there was a trend about 30 years ago that emerged of the sort of the horror movies with Santa as a as a psycho killer in the horror movies. There's a couple of those. So, um, so, yeah, but Santa. So we're going to get into some stories about Mr. Claus, Chris Kringle, Center Claus, Paranoel. But first, how about a word from our sponsor? And we are back and we're ready to climb into Santa's sack. That sounds wrong. <laughs> Just climb into a sleigh. We're going to we're going to deliver you the gift of our stories, much like Santa Claus would. I think he would approve. Yeah. So, Br- Britt, why don't you kick things off and walk us through your story?
2: Yeah, well, after my story last week was such a bummer, I wanted to do something with a little bit more justice or a little bit more balance. So let's set the scene. It's two days before Christmas in 1927 in Cisco, Texas. Um, That's like pretty straight west of like Dallas and Fort Worth area.
1: Okay. Um,
2: It is noon and in the Cisco bank walks a man dressed like Santa Claus. He it doesn't seem like the craziest thing. It's two days before Christmas. Could be Yamal Santa cashing his checks. The uh, bank teller even says, like, hi, Santa, all jolly. And everyone's kind of in spirits. And then Santa Claus says, "Stick 'em up, everybody. Uh, the man doing the shouting was mastermind Marshall Ratliff. He was a recent recipient of a pardon from the Texas governor, For his sentence for robbing a bank.
0: So he's consistent.
2: Consistent. Uh, With him was three ex-convict friends, Henry Helms, Robert Hill, and Louis Davis.
0: Santa's helpers.
2: Yes, they're Santa's helpers. Um, The men pulled out their guns when he shouted. And a very smart-thinking mother, this would totally be my mom, uh, was on the scene. She had actually walked in right behind them. And when she heard that, she grabbed her six-year-old daughter and ran across the street, screaming for help. So they saw this, and the Santa robbers start shooting at her. But the mom and daughter were able to make it safely across the street and kind of alert people to what was about to take place in this bank. As this is happening, Ratliff has forced the teller at gunpoint to let him into the back and open the safe, where he starts emptying the contents of the safe into a bag And he partners with Helms, who was standing in the back by the car, and they begin throwing the money in the trunk. Uh, In the bag was about $12,000, which is $180,000 now. So that's a big heist.
0: It is a big heist.
2: The woman and her daughter, who were able to run across the street, ran over to a police department. So they were able to notify authorities right away, and they came over. So two officers were outside in the alley when Ratliff and Helm started loading the car and everyone started firing shots. Um, something that I found really interesting in doing this research was this is like a post-Depression era and bank robbing was so common that the Texas Bankers Association actually offered a $5,000 payout for anyone who killed a bank robber. Okay. So that's like $75,000 today. And post-depression, like, that is a ton of money. So when people heard that there was a bank robbery happening, all these civilians ran over, pulled out their guns, and started shooting at these robbers. It was crazy. That
0: sounds like Texas.
2: Yeah, totally Texas. Texas. Um, In the 200-bullet exchange, sadly, the two officers were killed, but the robbers, Ratliff and Helms, just had injuries. They made it out fine, which is so frustrating.
0: I guess 1927, you said? Yes. So, I don't know. Could they figure out which bullets had killed the cops?
2: Yes, they could. So, I'll get to that in a bit. Um hearing these bullets, the other two bank robbers that were inside Davis and Hill came out and they decided to cover themselves with two girls who had been in the bank at the time to protect themselves from the bullets. Um, but Davis was shot. They were able to make it to the car though and shoved the girls in. But in the big fight, the one tire was flat and then someone had also punctured a hole in the gas tank. So they had to stop almost immediately and switch cars. What's really funny is they pushed the Harris family out of their car on the road, but they didn't take the keys. So then they were like, oh, crap. Mm -hmm. We can't start the car. Get back to the other car. So they go back to their first car and they leave Davis behind because his injuries were like so intense. He was becoming a liability but they forgot that he was the one holding the money. So right. they get in this other car and they leave without him and the money.
0: This, yeah, um, okay. So not this necessarily was, the, the most sophisticated team of bank robbers here.
2: No, definitely better than Elmer McCurdy, who I covered in the carnival episode, but still not great bank robbers. Um, Ratliff, Hill, and Helms uh, were only able to make it a few miles out of town when they abandoned their car and the hostages. And they spent the next few days hiding, stealing cars from people, but anytime someone had their car stolen, they would report the theft, and so they could kind of keep track along the map of like where these guys were in Texas. Um, and then finally, the day after Christmas, a Texas ranger was able to catch up to them they ran out of the stolen car at the time. He shot Ratliff, injuring him, and then was able to catch Helms and Hill at a chase on foot. Um, so at the trial, both Ratliff and Helms claimed insanity, but Helms's bullets were the ones identified as um, the bullets that were punctured the two officers. So he was immediately. Killed in the electric chair. They like did not have time for him. Ratliff, however, um, was put in jail and had a bit of a longer sentence, but he pretended to be blind and paralyzed while in jail. So he could like get special treatment and like, they thought he was like completely incapacitated. So they didn't lock his cell one day because they believed that this bank robber was blind and paralyzed. And of course he was lying. He's a robber. And so he got out, stole a gun and shot the deputy sheriff. Okay. The jailers caught him before he was able to make it out. But hearing this, cause the community lost it and a mob of over a thousand people came and surrounded the jail they went in and grabbed Ratliff, stripped him naked, and hung him outside in the square, where he was left to die. And no one was ever charged in the lynching, which is like the most escalated, it feels like, way to handle justice.
0: Did he? Did he indeed die? Out yes. In the, as as a result of being lynched.
2: Yes, well, he died. He died within twenty four hours.
0: Wow. Well, I mean yeah. that's that's kind of nineteen twenty seven yeah, I guess on one hand, it doesn't seem like a long time ago, but there's certainly a lot of wild parts of the country, and hell i can I can go to certain locations in the country now. It still feels like you could have some sort of crazy justice like this take place, and yeah. people would just get a, get away with it, but
2: definitely. So he's lynched. Helms was electrocuted. Davis had died on site of the robbery. And then Hill was given life in prison, but was actually let out on parole just 10 years later and legally changed his name. And there's no documentation of his identity having, you know, gone out and robbed any other bank. So he learned his lesson,
0: I hope. What if he changed his name to Chris Kringle? And then dedicated him his life to bringing merriment to that would be a,
2: really would beautiful it.
0: it would be, but he was still involved in the death of, of yeah a couple of police officers. I really thought this story was going to have more comedy and merriment to it. <laughs> you hear something like Santa Claus bank robbers either that or i I guess I was thinking well there's some great heist movies this is the movie by bill murray called i think quick change where he dresses as a clown and robs a bank mm-hmm. and then there's of course point break where they dress as dead presidents so anytime you have a an elaborate costume i always expect like a i expect hijinks to ensue which i guess they did but you know people still died
2: yeah it was which still makes tragic. It a little more
0: sad yeah
2: yeah, but, but still better than my story last week.
0: <laughs> well, yes, less depressing <laughs> overall. And not that, I mean, I'm sure it's still depressing for the family of the police officers who died, yeah. but less crushingly depressing. And the, but it is amazing thinking about there being this shootout of the community versus cops versus yeah. bank robbers all outside the bank. And I'm surprised no one in the bank was packing, actually. And a Texas bank, I'm surprised nobody was carrying their own gun.
2: That's true, especially in 1927.
0: Uh, well, hell, especially. <laughs> even now. I mean, or, now,
2: but, but even yeah, back then.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, uh, that's definitely interesting. And I think that's a good... Robbing a bank is definitely a good way to get on the naughty list with yep. with Santa. and And identity theft. I'm sure Santa doesn't take kindly to that. No. So that's a not a good way to did you when you were when you believed in Santa were you told that he and his elves make all of the toys
2: uh no i don't think i was told he made them because by then like i was old enough to like want stuff from stores or that was like brand name so I don't think I ever believed that like, they actually made it in the workshop. I think I more so believed that they would, like, buy it.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that might be why Santa would go to a bank. Because, you know, he might, yeah. he might need money, money to for cover, cover the costs. The of, of all those kids, of, like, the billions of children around the world. But did... Um, yeah, it was sort of the same. Like, we... It got a little fuzzy when it came down to things like G.I. Joe or brand toys that either he would have had to infringe on Hasbro's copyright to make some of those toys, or he's just going out and buying them. It was, like, yeah. it was a little bit of the weak spot in the whole Santa, yeah, is. Santa story. But I will say Santa in, the, the Santa, when he visited the Sagers household, did have a different handwriting, which I always felt mm. kind of magical. So, did you that's leave a, cookies it, out for Santa?
2: We did. Whose handwriting was it? Do you know now? Is it your, like someone else's? Not in the family.
0: I think it was like a block kind of handwriting that just uh, looked different. So, it was it. Santa's. It was Santa's handwriting.
2: That's in, that's a good like attention to detail.
0: Yeah, and because we had so many animals in my family, we would also leave we would leave out cookies for Santa and milk, and then carrots and whatnot for the reindeer
2: yeah sydney my niece she wants to leave apples out for the reindeer
0: right it's a good plan
2: yeah
0: our our carrots were nibbled on and not and so there was remnants left behind
2: yes yes we always had remnants too what time do you think the parents do it do you think they like right after the kid goes to bed or do you think before the kid wakes up like what what time do you think this happens
0: Uh, I, I mean, that's assuming that it's the parents doing it. I don't know, but I would say if I had a child, I don't know. I would probably, I would probably just wait until the kid was asleep and then do it in the middle, like, like, you know, 1am or whatever.
2: Yeah, but if you've got little kids, are you up at 1am? Like my sister, she goes to bed at like 7
0: I distinctly remember a time that my father was watching a movie on Christmas Eve and I was getting so upset with him because I had to go to bed and I said, dad, if you don't turn off the TV and go to bed, Santa's not going to come. Uh, and he's like, all right, all right. And I'm like, no. And my mom had to come out and be like, Archie, my dad's name is Archie, Archie. That's a great name. You know you gotta turn off the TV or Santa's not gonna come, and I remember him being very put upon by this um because he just wanted to watch a damn movie, which he was entitled to do as uh, the person that was working all the time. but it it was really giving me a lot of anxiety because I thought maybe we'd miss out on Santa that year if Dad just kept watching TV watching movies until late at night. so mm. she probably. Probably bring that one up in therapy or something. I'm sure there's some sort of illuminating tidbit to come out of that. But we can get more into Santa in a moment. But first, let's hear from another sponsor.
2: America is brought to you by Manscaped. And to talk about the men's grooming kits, we have one of its fiercest fans, Mr. Lawrence Talbot, an actual werewolf from London.
0: Right, love, cheers for having me on, although I prefer lycanthrope. The whole WW word is a bit unseemly. Although, I should also note I have been an American citizen for a while now. Ah, so that would explain that almost indistinguishable British accent. Anyhow, Larry, I'm surprised you're in wolf form even though there's not a full moon out. Yes, right. Well, I used to view my condition as a bit of a curse, what with all the hair everywhere. But with the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 and its durable, skin-safe ceramic blade, which has small teeth, unlike myself, I can be quite the dapper wolf with my crown jewels, if you will, remaining secure. Now I actually prefer to stay in wolf form permanently.
2: Pardon me for saying so, but you have a lot of hair. It must take you forever to groom.
0: Most certainly. It takes quite a bit of time. Thankfully, the lawnmower 3.0 holds a 90-minute charge, so I have all the time in the world. And with the built-in LED light, I can even see on a moonless night as I as I trim my my dorky bits, my undercarriage, my John Thomas. Right, right, we get it. Wolfman's got nards!
2: And with Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0's waterproof technology, you can even clean up in the moors on a rainy English or American night.
0: It's perfectly splendid, isn't it? And speaking of moors, I still do enjoy taking a bite out of the occasional backpacker. But with the crop preservable deodorant and crop reviver ball spray toner, any passers by that comes close will only smell the aroma of the freshest dangly bits. But don't take our word for it. Or even that of a gentleman lycanthrope.
2: Because with the code NIGHTMERICA, you can get 20% off a Manscaped order and receive free shipping. Head to manscaped.com and enter code NIGHTMERICA and you can check out their anti-chafing boxer briefs, weed whacker nose hair trimmer, and crop cleanser hair and body wash. All from
0: Wolf Manscaped. No, only from Manscaped. Manscaped, the right tools for the job. all righty well we are back and so pop quiz for you Britt. all right okay santa claus give me give me another alias of santa claus Claus.: okay where does santa claus typically live north pole okay who helps him out in the north pole the elves right what's his wife's name
2: Mrs. Claus?
0: Yeah, I'd accept that.
2: Okay, I don't know her first name. We're not on what a first is, name basis.
0: What does he ride around in? Sleigh. Who pulls a sleigh?
2: The reindeer.
0: How many reindeer?
2: Okay. Well, there's Rudolph. We know Dancer and Prancer and Comet and Vixen. Donner and Cupid and Banna and Blitzen nine
0: there are nine i don't think that's how the lyrics go but (laughs) but you got there you got there i don't know if we have to i don't know if we have to pay licensing rights for
2: i don't think so i feel like that's it's over a hundred years old
0: actually that song is not no no that song is like gene autry i think it was like the 50s and so yeah I I definitely I think I want to say like the fifties or, I know the the movie was or the was sixty, in the sixties but I thought maybe the song goes back to the fifties but
2: oh I forgot about Prancer
0: right he and he got his own movie his own spell
2: I know movie. that was my mom's but, favorite movie
0: um but well anyhow okay so and. Yeah, I mean, you've pretty much passed the the yeah, Santa Claus it. pop quiz. I nailed it. You got good points on that. <laughs> we'll come back to why that matters in a little bit. But okay, great. Okay, good, good briefer on that. So, do you believe in Santa?
2: No, I mean, I did, you? but not anymore.
0: And do you do you think did you ever think you saw him when you were a little kid?
2: No, but I thought I had a personal friendship with one of the elves.
0: Oh, okay.
2: My sister would write me letters and, like, send them to me. It was uh, so magical. What it was the actually... elf's name? I don't remember.
0: <laughs> and now they do
2: Elf on a Shelf, and my nephew has a big relationship with his elf. Its yeah, name is uh, Clive.
0: Also creepy Elf on a Shelf, but perhaps even creepier than... Santa, but, but Elf on
2: the shelf is hilarious.
0: I find it. I find it odd. I mean, yes, I'm sure it can be hilarious, but I know people do like, I forget what they call it, but it's like elf on booze or something where they have oh. a position around boot, spirit bottles. But anyhow, so the, the reason I ask this is that there are people that believe that they have had real Santa. Sightings. Oh, I'm and, excited about this. And so much so, so there was a paranormal researcher. He's been out there for a while. He did a lot of work on this old website called about.com and it's changed
1: mm-hmm.
0: the incarnations a few times. Steven Wagner. So he's a paranormal researcher and he has collected a lot of supposedly real Santa sightings. And there is a book called Real Stories of Santa Sightings and Holiday Season Strangeness by Ralph Betters. Now, you think about the paranormal of ghosts, Sasquatch, Loch Ness, aliens, Mothman, all sorts of folkloric and demons, monsters, creatures out there, fairies. So why not Santa? Well, Lloyd Auerbach, who is definitely a a well-known paranormal author, he's, I think a lot of the diehard paranormal folks out there will know his name, and he was, he became famous for teaching a course on parapsychology at at Atlantic University in Virginia, and when he was asked about Santa, he said, I've never even heard of people seeing Santa, the Grim Reaper, yes, but not Santa. He told this to the Boston Globe. This was in 2020, 2012 when this oh. interview took place. And Auerbach even went on to say, I guess the only possibility of this being real is if it was something posing as Santa, but I wouldn't put a Santa sighting in the paranormal category. Well, Stephen Wagner disagrees. And I want to break down some of the santa's sightings that have been collected in recent years and there's even in the paranormal subreddit there's santa sighting subreddits and the paranormal reddit oh. santa subreddit so in new york city this one story begins in 2002 and goes on from there and this is a alias but it It was written by someone named Claxton Kalmbach. Sounds like a made-up name. It's a
2: good alias.
0: It is, but it sounds like an alien name, too. Yeah. But this, uh, this is not independently verified, but it's interesting. So I'm going to read Claxton's account from New York City. It was Christmas Eve of 2002 in New York City. My parents had invited some friends and relatives over for dinner, sort of like a Christmas Eve celebration. After that, I decided to go to my room to watch some television, but there was nothing good to watch. I then found myself pacing back and forth in the hallway. My house is big, so there was no one with me, and everyone was in the living room watching a movie that I wasn't interested in. About seven minutes into my pacing, I saw a tall, fat figure scurry away about 20 feet away from me. It was crouched down, too. It was even wearing some sort of Santa Claus suit. I didn't believe in Santa, but this just freaked me out. There was a strange man in my house. I quickly ran to where my parents were and told them about it. They grinned and said jokingly, maybe it was Santa Claus. I did not believe that. So I just sat down in the living room with my family and everybody else. But then it occurred again on Christmas Eve 2004 i remember it more vividly than the last one i was lying on the couch in the living room my parents were in the kitchen and they were having a conversation about a business blog or something and suddenly i saw a huge man about seven or eight foot tall crawl underneath the tree and just vanish before it disappeared it looked at me and said shh very strange so I went into the kitchen and I sat with my parents. Similar happenings occurred the following Christmases. I recall one in 2007. It was daylight this time. And I just happened to see another tall figure with a Santa hat trudge by me for two seconds. Then it was gone. This really happened. So this is interesting. So this is one account of Santa in New York City. Santa sighting. Very odd. Displaying some sort of... The scurrying is weird. Is kind of gross. Not gross. Yeah. Kind of... Kind of An eight
2: foot tall person scurrying is hard to imagine.
0: Yeah, Well, and crawling underneath the tree and then vanishing. Yeah. Okay, well, but it doesn't stop there because that was 2002. But let's go back even further. 1969, New York City. This is from a woman named Joanne. I had an experience when I was three years old and still young enough to wear footed pajamas. That year was 1969. It was Christmas Eve. I wanted to see what Santa had brought me, so I quietly walked down the hallway and looked around the corner to our living room. I saw my parents and someone I didn't know hanging around the Christmas tree. The stranger was an old guy with a white beard and hair with a red suit. I quickly went back to my room as fast as I could with footed pajamas and slid into bed. I told my mom what happened many years later and she insisted that I was dreaming or that it was my dad except that's not possible my dad was sitting in a chair behind the stranger Mm. and my mom was standing right next to my dad and And they didn't see him uh I think sounds like Joanne is saying that they were having a confab having a conversation with Santa Oh. so he was in there but, and Joanne points out, I'm African-American. And during that time, the tenants in our building were all African-American. So Santa stood oh. out. Uh-huh. So that, this is from, that those were from Stephen Wagner's uh, Live About website. But I have another one. And this is from Live Science, I believe. And this is another person saying... Cutting to the chase, when I opened my eyes, I could see that Santa was standing in my door with a mystical, magical glow around him. It was silver and gold and glittery. Santa looked right at me, and without moving his mouth, he said to me, Now you know you're supposed to be asleep while I am here, don't you? That's my Santa voice. I told him that I knew that I was, but I couldn't sleep, and how could I? especially after seeing that. And he told me, close your eyes and at least pretend. I was shocked. I knew this could be a dream, but I knew that I was awake. People have told me maybe it was my father and maybe it was, but how he got the hallway to glow with glitter would be beyond me. As far as I'm concerned, I was it was 100% the spirit of Santa Claus. It was the beautiful golden glow around the man in the big red suit that told me it couldn't possibly be my father. It was glittery like a parade, but the pieces were not falling to the ground. I am now 41 years old and still believe that I saw him. And Wow. And another one, got a couple more of these accounts. Bobby Boone 19 from Twitter. Hi, Bobby, if you're listening to this. Bobby listens to America as well as watches Paranormal Caught on oh, Camera. Oh, awesome. Hey, Bobby. And she told me in a Twitter thread, one year, some 30-odd years ago, we were spending Christmas on Cape Cod with my grandmother. I don't know exactly what day it was, but I remember snow on the ground, and we were all decorating her tree. This was before cell phones. And if you know Cape Cod... You know that now it is stuck in the past, and then it was even more so. Mm. My grandmother's house had, quote-unquote, summer cottages on either side of hers with woods in between and a pond in the front of her house. Sounds like a great place, Bobby.
2: Yeah, that sounds gorgeous.
0: There was a dirt road that led to a dirt driveway that my grandmother would throw coog shells onto to keep it from eroding Mm. suffice it to say any cars on the driveway would loudly announce their Mm -hmm. presence with the sound of the crunching shells so we were somewhat isolated it was either snowing or had snowed it was dark and we were all in the living room decorating the tree my grandmother's house was round so no matter where anyone was in the house if the door was open we could see them Mm. i remember holding part of a paper chain in my hand And everything went quiet. Then, I kid you not, I heard sleigh bells. What's more is that the sleigh bells sound was coming from above the house. And it moved from one side of the house to the other. Being a suspicious kid, I looked around and noted both of my sisters, my parents, and my grandmother, were all standing near the tree and all looking up. Whoa. Whoa. Did you hear that? I whispered. They all affirmed the noise and then kind of shrugged it off. I don't know where it came from. I've kind of been afraid to ask anyone if they remember it now. But 30 odd years later, I still remember that.
2: That gives me goosebumps.
0: It does. And what I find interesting is that I don't know how much of this is true with Bobby. I need to ask her. But she lists on her Twitter feed that she is retired CIA, which (gasps) makes me want to... We, we might have to talk to Bobby about this. Oh, my God. This, Female
2: CIA agents are, like, one of the biggest, like, inspirations in my life.
0: Yeah. it's uh, Well, I mean, this—and and ones that maybe encounter Santa Claus wow. have to be inspiring as well. So, but not all of the sightings happen to kids. There's one that Stephen Wagner documented, and this was a guy that was 37 years old and he said he was a little old to be to believe in Santa he had faith that he had existed and felt in his heart he was real but not physically real until he was in his parking lot dumping trash in the dumpster he was walking on the sidewalk and then who walks next to him but a chubby old man with long snow white hair and a long white beard With round glasses, a green flannel shirt, blue jeans, and red suspenders. It's casual Mm -hmm. Friday, Santa. He said, hello, Richard, as he passed. I said hi, and he kept walking. It wasn't until a few seconds later I realized I didn't know him, yet he knew my birth name. We did not wear name tags or anything, and he wasn't like a customer, but he knew. I watched him as he continued down the street, and as he came to the intersection, he didn't even stop to wait for the light to change. It just turned green, and he walked out of sight. Wow. And he said it, it was weird, but it did kind of change his mood, and he also he knew that he wasn't nuts. So those all sound pretty happy, but there are the creepier Santa sighting stories. I mean, I guess encountering anyone in your house a lot of these people yeah, that creepy. anyway a lot of these people that talk about this often say i thought that we were being robbed or someone was in the house that wasn't mm. supposed to be well there was that and then there was this woman named anna who was five years old and she was in her room and she heard shuffling in the living room she got up and peered around the doorway and she saw a man in a santa suit standing in front of the christmas tree he must have felt my presence because he turned around and looked at me he did not look jolly or kind or happy like you would expect santa claus to look he kind of looked eerie like he was staring into my soul Ooh! automatically i ran to my parents room i hid under the covers i don't know why i was so scared at the time but I wrote it off as a dream for a while before I forgot about it completely. And then years later, I remembered it. I thought it could have been a burger, but burger. Burger. I thought it could have been a a burger, a burglar,
2: hamburglar,
0: hamburglar. But when I asked my parents, nothing was ever missing from that apartment. The only time Mm. we were ever robbed was when we moved later on. So the only explanation is that it was some kind of apparition. I'm going to give you one more. And then I want to talk about theories behind this. Okay. This is via Reddit and also Mysterious Universe. And okay, this is um, this story is from, I think this is an anonymous story. But as I opened my door, standing there blocking my path was motherfucking Santa Claus. He was dressed exactly how I'd imagined him. He looked like the typical Coca-Cola Santa, like the Santa I grew up with, down to his white woolen trimmings, thick black belt, golden buckle, red nightcap. He had small circular gold rimmed glasses, a white curly beard, blue eyes and liver spots on his cheeks. I froze and looked up at his eyes. He had what I took to be a stern expression on his face, almost glaring at me. Just after we made eye contact, he bent his head down towards me slightly in a manner that suggested, What are you doing up? You should not be awake. Go back to bed. I gasped, took a few steps back, and then jumped into bed, turned my back to the door, closed my eyes, and then fell asleep, despite my state of shock. I remember thinking at the time... Santa doesn't like kids being awake because he can't drop off the presents otherwise. So it was as if I knew that I should go back to sleep. The song about Santa Claus comes to mind. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Mm -hmm. I did not get a menacing feeling from him. I didn't feel that I was in any danger, but I felt maybe that I was in a bit of trouble for seeing him, that he was annoyed at me. He didn't seem joyful or loving either, just neutral, I guess. Hmm. I do I do not believe in Santa as I know he was a completely fabricated character. I do believe what I saw took the shape of Santa. And over the years, I have thought maybe that what I saw was possibly a spirit or some sort of apparition. I have no idea how or why this occurred. It appears to me that Santa in quotations, was just wandering around our house, checking things out. He didn't seem to have an objective. The biggest mystery to me of this entire story is the fact that I fell asleep so soon after seeing him. That is just unnatural. I did not pass out from shock and I didn't feel him touch me. I have read other stories on the internet of people who have apparently seen Santa and some of these people explain seeing Santa and then immediately falling asleep, just as I did. I know this all sounds ridiculous, but I know what I saw. I know the difference between a dream state and a conscious state.
1: Hmm.
0: So just a, a kind of a cross section of Santa sightings. But what do you think? Is Santa real?
2: Uh, I don't know if I necessarily believe that Santa is real. I, uh, I don't know if it's like the magic of the season or like you want to believe. And so you create these, you know, images in your head of what happened. I don't want to discredit these people, but I don't know. I just don't. Maybe that makes me a curmudgeon. I don't know.
0: So my thought is, I don't think it makes you a curmudgeon, but I do think, well, okay. So when you talk about alien sightings and sometimes abductions and when there's other paranormal phenomena, you do encounter sort of, um, what am I getting at? Basically, there are a lot of reports of similar shapes and sightings, similar types of phenomena, like the white lady ghost, right? Mm-hmm. Or seen UFOs that appear in similar crafts, tic tac shape, saucer shape, whatever it might be. There are stories. There are theories that maybe. These are are entities taking some sort of form that we understand, that we can process. I don't know if we've talked about it on this show. I've talked about it on Paranormal Caught on Camera, that just because you see something in that version does not necessarily mean that's what it is. It means that Mm -hmm. that's how we're perceiving it.
2: Yeah, perception is reality kind of thing.
0: So what if Santa is some sort of entity that's kind of beaming into our brain saying like, Okay, this little kid or even this adult like I need I want to appear to them in some sort of pleasing shape. Okay. Here's this figure, I'll just appear as that, this comforting figure. And what if and this is where it gets kind of mind bending cuz I really do think in terms of why not when it comes to the paranormal, if you're going to go this far, if you're going to consider Bigfoot, ghosts, vampires or whatever why not just keep pushing it forward why not but what if if there was some sort of other entity that was like getting this image out of our brains and then appearing as that i kind of wonder if this entity or whatever that would be doing that would think that we believe santa is real
1: Mm -hmm. i'm going to
0: appear in this comforting form just to not like i'm going to appear as like superman or captain america but this form that we as humans are trained to believe exists
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah that's a very where interesting I'm going theory here? yeah i do
0: like like you know brit okay so where do i where do i live i mean like right now you know Florida. where am i right that's where i'm staying right now where do i normally live new york right um. Do you what what what's my typical outfit?
2: A tiki shirt.
0: Okay. Um. And. What what do I like to drink? I don't know. I'm just pulling things out of my. Butt Rum. Right. Now. right. Okay. I don't and know sparkling you... water. Right. Um. And yeah, those two things. And. I guess what I'm getting at is. By all definitions of what makes a person real. When we talk about that person to someone else, Santa exists. Like if you, if you're going to go mm-hmm. hang out with someone at the bar and like, Oh, let me tell you about, uh, you know, my friend, uh, Brit, who lives in New York and yeah. she's a store manager and yeah, she grew up, you know, uh, she, I guess she's from the Midwest, but really she grew up a lot in Paris and these are some of her interests, super into true crime. And if, if, you're not in the room. You exist as much as, as Very a true. human exists. And add to yeah. that, we take our kids to visit with Santa, to write letters to Santa. Hell, we know yeah. his address, North Pole. Yeah. The mail picks up the, the, the post office, picks up the mail to Santa. So I think it would be, it's by that definition, Santa would exist. And I don't know if some other entity was kind of pulling from our brain And saying, like, okay, I just want to appear as something comforting. Well, this guy looks like he's very comforting to these children. Yeah,
2: that's very true.
0: And there's this other element, too, that Santa could be. And Santa, as a person, you know, there's a lot of origins of uh, was it St. Nicholas of Myra, I believe? Mm -hmm. Or, and we pull a little bit from Norse mythology with with Odin and the Wild Hunt and Yule and all that kind of thing. But that's that's sort of how we created the hodgepodge of Santa and then pop culture added onto to it as well. But do you know, have you heard of tulpas? Have we talked about tulpas before?
2: It sounds super familiar. So, Remind me.
0: Well, the person that really introduced the notion to western culture as far as i can tell is alexandra david Neal. now she was a spiritualist but also an adventurer and i would say look her up like she was just a hell of an adventurer she she wrote a book magic and mystery in tibet but she or she wrote a book called magic and mystery in tibet and i think she was the first Westerner to gain an audience with a Dalai Lama. She basically showed up at oh, wow. his doorsteps and was malnourished and and falling apart, but she had gotten there of her own, her own spirit, her own kind of resources, and basically convinced him to see her. But wow. anyhow, so she wrote about tulpas. Now, the notion of a tulpa is also, another word is, Thought form. And a tulpa, she wrote, once the tulpa is endowed with enough vitality to be capable of playing the part of a real being, it tends to free itself from its maker's control. This, say Tibetan occultists, happen nearly mechanically, happens nearly mechanically, just as the child, when his body is completed and able to live apart, leaves its mother's womb. So a thought form in Buddhist belief is typically brought about by monks performing a ritual and focusing on this idea of, of creating this this being, this thought form, this talpa. Mm-hmm. Now this has happened in paranormal circles as well with the Philip experiment where a group of paranormal researchers tried to create a ghost, created a backstory gave it a home, a name, like its whole history, and tried to hold seances for this ghost that previously, a ghost based on a person that did not actually exist. And they reported, it's quite famous, I wasn't there, but they reported they did collect activity. Activity did start happening as a result. So maybe they created this ghost of Philip. So that's when... A group of monks or a group of paranormal researchers are in a room. What happens if millions of people start focusing on this mm-hmm. figure? Can maybe on some level we create Santa?
2: That I totally believe because they even say if huge groups get together to meditate, crime rates in that area go down. So but I I've do not think. Yeah, I think our thoughts and energy have a huge huge impact on the world.
0: And or outside
2: of the world.
0: And yeah, again, like telling kids to believe that energy of kids and writing letters
1: mm-hmm. and
0: setting out food and you know, creating and so much in our childhood lives. It I think from a paranormal perspective to to backtrack, why not? It it seems like if we're going to yeah, if we're going to acknowledge that maybe meditating as a group can do this or hell, even like I mean it it's legitimately a thing that women who are living together, their cycles start to align, right?
2: Sometimes. That's like science goes back and forth on that. But okay. I know what you're going with.
0: Well, that's what I've heard. I don't know. I've never menstruated, but um, I did cut myself real bad shaving, but...
2: Before you different. had a manscaped.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, but, the so, I don't know. I kind of wondered, like, maybe we have collectively millions of people created some version of Santa. And I kind of hope that is a thing. And I kind of hope that if we have created that being then maybe it's looking after kids that especially need some some charity and joy in their lives yeah, because
2: I'm done with that
0: it is it's a it's a happy thought on this the unhappy part i don't know if I should leave lead uh in this with an <laughs> unhappy idea, but the unhappy part is if we did and we did create Santa by millions of people collectively focusing on him um, Slender man. Yeah. Like what? Yeah.
2: That's across the internet.
0: About. Yeah. Yeah. But, but let's. Uh, I'll go back. I'll just go with it. It's a joyful idea because if <laughs> if we can create something out of love and wishes and joy, then maybe it can, it can come to like provide charity and bring some holly and jolly to some of the kids out there. Yeah. So anyhow, that's my class encounters
2: of a third, fourth, fifth kind
0: of a merry kind. Yeah. There you go. Oh, that should be the headline. See, now we've gotten to it. Now Klaus we got encounters it. of a merry kind.
2: <laughs> it only took us an hour.
0: Right. <laughs> All right. Well, before we clear out of here, do you have any? I don't know if I actually have paranormal. I don't know if I prep for a paranormal pop culture. What's yours?
2: Um, so mine, uh, I feel weird going after your like nice, happy story because mine is like a little bit dark, but that's also just who I am as a person, I guess. Um, but I just listened to this super fascinating podcast about a girl who was stood up for a date and ended up possibly escaping this like trafficking situation. It was on the podcast. Something was wrong. Um, which is a really well done podcast she's I don't know the host's name offhand but she's a really good interviewer Um, but this she interviews her friend who was going on a date and the guy stood her up and then there just happened to be like a guy sitting there at the bar and you know I, I won't ruin it definitely listen to this podcast because they do such a good job telling it but if you are out dating, just be aware of your surroundings, you know, check out this podcast because there's creeps all around us. And I think it's super important for us to stay vigilant in our surroundings.
0: I yeah, don't think that's, I'll just no, say that. That's not, I mean, I haven't, I don't know the whole story, but that sounds potentially terrible, but a nugget of solid advice within that. Well, mine is a book. <laughs> By Peter Aykroyd. Peter Aykroyd, mm. not to be confused with the father of Dan Aykroyd, Peter Aykroyd. Mm-hmm. Peter Aykroyd is an English biographer, and he's written about Dickens, and uh, I don't even know all the books that he's done. I know he did—he's done a lot of a lot of biographies, but he wrote a book called The English Ghost Specters Through Time. And it's a collection of ghost sightings over the centuries from England, going back to the 1760s. And there's a lot of good detail. He's, uh, he's a, a really renowned researcher, so he has these, these first-person accounts and clippings and whatnot. It doesn't automatically make all the stories true, but it makes them part of the history and psyche of England. And so it's a, it's a pretty fun collection, and it actually does get creepy in a, in a enjoyable in an enjoyable way throughout the throughout the book so it's it was published in 2011 initially I believe but it's you know it's old ghost stories so those aren't really That's getting cool. updated all that much so uh, and I, I was well we we recorded an episode of the hoof where mm-hmm. we tell some Christmas ghost stories well we did that just last night. Is that available now?
2: Yes, it is. It's available now on okay. all podcast platforms.
0: The Hoof. And so Britt and I both share some more Christmas stories mm-hmm. of paranormal and true crime. But this is one that I didn't even think about it at the time. The story that I tell of the mistletoe bride on the hoof, I've not yet found it in this particular volume. But I do wonder if, if it's in there. So I have to yeah. check. Make certain I got my research right. <laughs> But uh, well, so that's yeah. English goes specters through time. And that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Like, it's always fun to discover like a a book that just been out there for a long time you didn't even know about. I kind of feel like yeah. Like I'm not doing my job because I missed it, but now it's like a joy to to find <laughs> it fresh. But, yeah. All right. Well, I think we have one more episode before Christmas Day. So.
2: Wow, that's true.
0: So the gifts keep on giving in in the form of Nightmarica. And well, I think we're pretty much wrapped up.
2: Yeah. Let's get out of here.
0: Okay.